I'm Dave Rubin and this is the Rubin Report. Reminder everybody to subscribe to our YouTube channel and click that pesky notification bell so that you're alerted when our new videos drop. And joining me today is a former NFL star and Super Bowl champion now running for Congress in Utah's 4th District, Burgess Owens. Welcome to the Rubin Report. Dave, thanks so much. Looking forward to our chat for sure. I'm glad to have you, man, because you are blowing up every time I turn on television now. I, I just did the Greg Gutfeld show with you a couple days ago, but every time I see somebody talking on Twitter, a video of somebody doing something, you're, you seem to be right in the middle of things. You're, you're enjoying this little congressional. I, I really am. Huh? I, I really am because you know, we're having a conversation that's been long overdue, Dave. Uh, you know, we've been talking hypothetically what can happen with socialism and Marxism. I mean, it's, it's a conversation you can have for years and really not get through. We have an opportunity right now to let people know this is the way it looks when you give left power. They have no clue what to do with it other than to abuse it. So I think this is, obviously it's tough times, but what I've come to understand about America, and I know my history, when we go through the toughest of times, as long as we, as long as we know what the end game is, what it takes to win, we come together, we put aside our differences for a little bit of time, and we go out there and make things happen. So I see this as a great opportunity to talk with our democratic friends who love our country, uh, to our black business owners, for sure, they definitely get it. And then those who have in the past not been really engaged, we are literally fighting for the heart and soul of our nation. And those guys on the other side are totally, they're, they're, they're going nuts because they realize how close they are to losing it all. So they are all hands on board. And just know that uh, this is going to be a, probably the most important few months we have coming up uh, in front of us now. We just need to make sure we take advantage of it. And, just, and as old, uh, Al Davis used to say in the old days, just win, baby. We need to get that done. Just win, baby. <laughs> So that's actually partly why I wanted to have you on because uh, because of your history as an athlete, as an NFL player, and even the way you answered that question, there's there's always a certain rhythm which I've always loved the way so many athletes speak about things, and and obviously you have some of that, and and I think we sort of need a little bit more of that right now. People who know how to win, not not win at all costs, but win within a certain framework of rules and respect for each other and respect for the country, and I, I really sense that out of you. And, and I'll tell you what I'm excited about. Uh, I've been hearing from a lot of my, my peers, college peers and NFL peers, uh, we, you know, we came through a time when it was quite different. We came through a time where our parents uh, did such a great job, and this is the thing that I think is being lost. We have had this last generation, the great generation, was truly remarkable. They succeeded in so many different ways, and to, to say that they were hapless and hopeless and oppressed is a... Is a is a put down to them in a big, big way. But what I've been getting is calls from guys that I came through through college and pro, and they're all on board. We love the fact we're now talking about standing for our flag, standing for our country, respect, which we were taught by our parents to do, and we now need to let these young people know that they have been duped. You know, we, we, have, we, have, we have kind of let our guard down. And, uh, and just to kind of segue from that, what we let our guard down is probably the most important place we can think about, and that's our educational system. As we've been kind of moving on and having our big dreams and you know, being the eternal optimist that we are as, as a country, building our future, our kids, and, and, and vacation, we have not understood that evil has been at our doorstep every single step of the way. They have gotten into our educational system for decades, and they have eaten away like little termites on the most important thing that we can, we can have to keep our future, a knowledge of our past, what we've done together, and most importantly, what makes our country work, the free market. We have kids coming out of college hating our country because of, the, of our Marxist laboratories that we've been putting together for the last few decades. So, so this is a good time for us even to start addressing that issue. Uh, one of the things I, I cannot wait to do when, when we get to Congress, by the way, let me just give you guys 
little quick uh, uh, advertisement. BurgessForUtah.com. <laughs> BurgessForUtah.com. Go there, all right? I was good. Uh, I promised you I was going to do it at the end. But wait, wait, let, let, let's back up a little bit because you hit a couple okay. things there. So you mentioned the greatest generation, and, and you're talking about how so much of what's happening now seems to be an erasure of past. So you've, you've had a pretty amazing past. You were one of the first three black football players at University of Miami. Everybody knows about the incredible football history there. Can you just back up first and just tell us a little bit about where you're from, what, you, what your folks were like, just growing up, all, all that kind of stuff? I would love to. I would love to because this is probably the, the biggest pride I have is my upbringing. Uh, and, 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 and because so many people don't know about it, it's a shocker. It's important to realize the message of my background, my background is very simply this. This country will give anyone the opportunity to, to get to the middle class if we understand the tenets that we need to get there. And it doesn't matter how, how poor we come, what color we are, uh, 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 how little we understand language. If we understand it's all about education, faith, industry, and family, we got it. So that being said, my, uh, the, the black community, uh, because they understood those tenets, the 40s, 50s, and 60s led our country in the growth of the middle class, men matriculated from college, Men committed to a marriage over seventy percent, and the percentage of entrepreneurs we had in our communities, business owners everywhere. Keep, keep in mind, there were no white people in my, in my community, so everything was driven by by black entrepreneurs. That black where, entrepreneurship. Where did you grow up? In Tallahassee, Tallahassee, Florida, deep south Tallahassee, days of KKK, Jim Crow, uh, segregation. Uh, I didn't have my first interaction with, with white Americans until I was sixteen years old, but I grew up in a community that was so proud of who they were. Our, our dads came back from war. They were proud of who they were. I was taught never let that flag touch the ground. It would be desecrated. I was really proud of that. <clears throat> but the most important thing is that the 40% of business ownership equated to over 50 to 60% of black Americans across our country. Uh, D.C., the South, uh, 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 Texas, California. We had relatives all across the board, all part of the middle class. And that was the way our, our country was, our, our, our race was. <clears throat> that has been flipped upside down where we now have 3.8% business ownership. And that's, of course, our, our, our middle class is going down. And unfortunately, the most important thing about the middle class, most of it now has become elitist. So a great big group of elitists, a bigger group of poor, and a very small group of that very empathetic, loving, serving, outside the box thinking middle class. So we have to get that back. And, and Dave, I'll tell you, if I can just warn our, our fellow Americans what, we're, what, what the real attack is, the real battle we're, we're fighting right now, obviously, is our culture. But what the left wants to do is destroy our middle class. Why? Because the middle class is a stakeholder of our culture. That's where we find the best of Americans. Those who are going out there, they work, they, they, pay the, they pay their bills, they pay their payroll, they dream, they fail, they stump back up again, and their goal is very simple, to build something and give to their kids a legacy. And, 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 and here's the other piece of it. <clears throat> Business owners realize one thing, when, when customers come through their door, they know they have the discipline to be a nice person. Why? Because they want to come back again. Even if they're knuckleheads, they want to come back and keep buying that product. <laughs> that is, in essence, yeah. why it, what draws a, a people to our country. The bigger that middle class is, the more vibrant our freedom really is and the more educated we are and the whole bit. And that's what they're after. That's where you look at their COVID, what they were trying to do, these Marxists, these, these folks who are totally heartless because they've never understood what it is to build a business. They want to shut down our economy, shut down businesses, make, they, make sure they fail. Why? Because at the end of the day, they want a power in November. They, they allow, these mayors allow these thugs to come through these, these black uh, uh, communities and every four years destroy them. 
destroy the infrastructure. Why? Because that those black business owners will become, they're lifting themselves out of that poverty to the middle class. So this is what we're after. If we understand that, then we understand our enemy. And the enemy is not us. It's not, it's not Republicans and Democrats and independents. It's those who truly adhere to an evil ideology of socialism and Marxism. And because they do, they can care less. They have no heart for anybody else but themselves. And they don't mind, in my case with the black community, they will use, abuse, and discard because that's what it takes for them to continue to win their battle. As somebody that grew up in the segregated South, Jim Crow laws, uh, and you mentioned you didn't really have interactions with, with white America, let's say, until you're 16 years old, you know, then you become a, a, an NFL star, you're playing in college, NFL star, Super Bowl champion, have done all sorts of other stuff since then. Are you shocked that in 2020, right now as we talk, that we seemingly at our are at our, what the media would tell you is our worst race, race relations in decades. I, I don't think it's actually true. I think it's just the way that it's being framed and pushed on us. But, but are you shocked at sort of the moment that we're at right now? Well, I guess I, I can't say I'm shocked because I, I know uh, the, the enemy is tenacious. Uh, they, they, are, um, they, they just don't give up. There's no shame. Uh, so so I, what, I, what I think we're finding out, though, is how deep uh, into our entire institutions that they have, they have given, they've given, they've dived, they've gotten into. When I talk about termites, they've been doing this for a long, long time. I've seen it with the uh, with our educational system. Uh, I, I just had no idea how broad their their tentacles were. So we're seeing it coming from every single angle that you have, including within our, uh, our, our you know the bureaucracy, the government that we 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 thought we trusted. You know, I never thought that the FBI, the DOJ, all those things were were complicit in this process. But then, if we understand again uh, a little bit about Marxism and, and the socialists, uh, they're cowards and bullies. So we really shouldn't be surprised. Uh, they're the ones that are going to try to find the softest place to, 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 to do their business, to do their job. They want to they keep covered. They, they don't want to be fired. So if they find a place that's very safe, you'll find them, uh, whether it be a college, college uh, tenure or these, uh, 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 you know, these, these government jobs where nobody knows who they are and they can never, never get fired. Or, of course, the media, where they get into media uh, uh, organizations, where all they have to do is be as far left as you can, and they got a, a, sure, a sure job. So that, that's what we're fighting against. And the, the, the downside to being entrepreneurs, being those who are eternal optimists, we sometimes forget to get into the weeds. You know, we're, we're not going to be drawn to the same things there are. We're out there taking risks, uh, you know, building our dreams falling and getting back up. And all we want to be done is just be left alone. Let us do our thing and, and just leave us alone. <clears throat> well, while we're doing that, then behind the curtains, all this is going on. And Do you think that's what the fundamental disconnect in society right now is? I think it has something to do with that, that there's a certain set of people, I actually think most Americans, who just want to live and let live. They want some basic policies that keep the government out of their lives, but that's pretty much it. But when you believe that, you're not going to be riled up all the time and angry and on the attack all the time. And now we have a new set of people. I don't think it's as many as the other, but I think that they're, they're loud and vociferous and, and on the attack. And so they seem disproportionately powerful because the rest of us, we're, we're working, we're, we're watching TV, we're doing stuff with our families, whatever it might be, so that there's a disconnect there in the, in the parity of both sides. It, it, <clears throat> It is, uh, but that's the nature of, of who we are. And, and, and it takes, keep in mind, remember what we were doing, 9-11 um, um, and uh, Pearl Harbor. 
we were going about our business, and one day, all Sunday days, going to church or going to work, we had no idea how, many, how, how, how much we were hated until thousands of us had to die through our process. But what happens once the enemy hits, we wake up and realize what we're up against, and that's when we become dangerous as, to, to the enemy. Uh, uh, as as the, 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 the Japanese, uh, whatever, Admiral said, I feel we're waking up a, a sleeping giant. <clears throat> I believe what's happening right now, the Americans across this country do not like what they're seeing. They don't want to see cities burn. They don't want to see people being beat up. They, we hate bullies to our core. And we might, might, we not, might not be saying thing, anything about it. We might not be polling because we just, we just aren't into that. But we as a country always do the right things at the right time for the right reasons. I personally think, Dave, the reason why President Trump, candidate Trump was, was elected in 2016, because we as a country just innately understood something wasn't right. We definitely, we definitely didn't want the other person to win, even though we didn't know a lot about President Trump. But at the end of the day, now that we do see it, and we see him standing for, for rule of law, uh, we see him pulling together the, the free market and the government working things out. I and mean, more importantly, we see him working against these bullies that no other president has done since Reagan. I mean, Reagan had a different style about it because they weren't as, 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 as um, I guess, mean. I don't know if that's the word for it or more. <laughs> but, but, uh, but he's the guy that the only one right now that I understand could ever do what he's doing every single day getting up because these guys, again, are relentless and they have no shame uh, and, uh, and they just love to lie. At the end of the day, for them, lying is part of getting to the end game. So we have to understand that. I think that's what our, what our country is getting to. And I truly believe, Dave, that we're going to come out of this just fine. I think for the first time, that's why as I'm running for, for Congress, which I never, ever thought I'd ever do. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm working with kids. My, my mission has always been working with at-risk kids. That's what I was doing. But I realized if we don't win out back to house, the kids I work with and across the country don't have, don't have a chance. Because it's always policies that make them illiterate, hopeless, jobless, angry. It's always policies. And it's democratic policies doing that. So the so way I see this very simply, we have about 18, 19 seats we need. I'm looking across the country. I'm seeing these, these congressional candidates. And they're like me. Many of them have never done this before. But they're not going there to get a, a uh, permanent seat in Congress or to be a lobbyist down the road. They're there to repl replicate the president who's showing us what true American-loving leadership looks like. For the first time for many of us to see what it takes to, to, to really fight against the bullies. We're going to get this new group in there, and we're going to make changes that has never been seen before because we're there for the right reasons. We're going to start tackling things that we've always had to, but we've had to either deal with elitist Republicans or elitist Democrats, and nothing ever gets done when you talk with those kind of people. <clears throat> we're going to start looking at our budget, balancing our budget, uh, doing something with our health care system that gives it a transparency and, and a com 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 competitive nature that brings it down. How about Social Security? Being able to figure out how we keep our promises with those who are older and had promises made and give our young people an opportunity to do something so much better by the time they get to retirement because they can own the process. Those are conversations we're going to finally have. So we'll come there and, I, and I call, I'm going to call, I'm going to put this out there. I see us as a SEAL team, <laughs> the SEAL team. <laughs> we're, there to, we're there to disrupt some stuff and we'll make that happen. And not only will our, our presence strengthen the backbone of our Senate, which we need more backbone, but allow our president for the first time in four years to, to run forward without having his hands tied behind his back. So I, I see this, as, this could be the greatest um, uh, <clears throat> renaissance for our country that we've ever seen because all of a country, all of America can, 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 can take part. No matter what the color, creed, or background, we can all be part of this new growth of America and, and really and just really just enjoy the process together.
You know, it's funny you describe it as a SEAL team because I had Dan Crenshaw, a congressman down in Texas, uh, who I'm sure you know, and uh, I had him on and I described him. It's like, you know, he's like a solo superhero fighting against the squad. You know, they've got their Legion of Doom team, but he's kind of a solo guy and he needs some, some new help in, in Congress. And I, I think that's what you're talking about. Before we go too much on the policy side, because I was on your website this morning and you lay out all your political beliefs actually very clearly, it, it, it's all there. Uh, but before we do the policy stuff, I just wanna do a little bit more on your history. Cause as I said earlier, you're one of the three first black people, uh, football players at University of Miami. And then let's talk a little bit about NFL and just sort of how the, how the sports mindset and, and going for a championship and winning and all that stuff, how, how that set you up as a human being? Okay, good question. Let me, let me just first of all kind of uh, put in context the environment of the NFL when I, when I, when I, when I joined as opposed to today. Because I think the biggest part of, of us being excited about our future is knowing about our past. And it was something that Karl Marx said that said it all. The first battleground is rewriting of history. If they steal our past, we truly do not have an appreciation for where we are, and we have no vision for where we're going. <clears throat> so, so that being context, again, I grew up in the Deep South, days of segregation. Uh, Twelve years old, I remember uh, marching. I was the youngest person at that time. I was with the Florida Indian when my dad was a college professor in front of state, Florida State Theater because we couldn't go in to, to, uh, to look at a movie theater there. <clears throat> um, my dad, just a little, a little extra background, my dad actually came back from war, very proud, uh, proud uh, uh, World War II vet could not go to get his postgraduate down in Texas because of the Jim Crow laws. And I remember running across a box of letters when he passed away of all these rejection letters uh, that had gotten across the country that would not accept him to those colleges. And I, and I looked through it and, I, and I, I realized it was a racist thing, but he never ever brought it out. He never talked about it. For him, it was, it was motivation. And that's what those mm -hmm. folks do. There was motivation. He ended up going to Ohio State where he's got his PhD. We ended up being a 40-year uh, professor there and was an entrepreneur, researcher. We traveled around the world. I was five years old, living in Liberia, Africa. Uh, that's wow. the, again, that's the environment. This is the 50s. I had an older, an older uncle. Uh, by the way, he, he and his older brother both got their PhDs at Ohio State. Dad got in agronomy. Uncle Lima got it in, in, uh, in, in economics. We ended up teaching at the University of Houston. <clears throat> the oldest brother was probably the smartest one. He was an engineer, and um, he loved planes, but he couldn't do that when he went to service. So he, on a part-time basis, he ended up buying a little, this is 1962. Nobody bought planes in 1962, particularly black folks. But uh, he bought a little plane, and because he was entrepreneurial, he, he was an engineer, but he lived in Wichita Falls, Texas. He, he took letters from Wichita Falls base, the military base, to Chicago. That was his side time business, the first uh, uh, FedEx. And, and I remember him coming, fl flying to, to Tallahassee, and I must have been maybe 12 years old when I had my first flight in an airplane. And uh, my, I remember that experience very well because he took us up, he took me up. And uh, I don't know if you know what the air, uh, what the stall, I'm sure you know what stall means, what it is all about. But if you don't know what a stall means, it's, it's good to know before you stall, before you get the experience. <laughs> it feels like falling out of the air. And I remember stalling, getting panicked. He kind of got control, smiled at me, and taught me what airplane lift was. I know today exactly what airplane lift means. <laughs> so, so, but I'm, I'm, I'm making that point. It ain't fun either way. No, no. I'm making that point because I want people to know that my community was truly one of the most com competitive communities in our country. One that was so proud of. We, we educated ourselves because we knew that's what we needed to do to, to, to compete. My, my degree was in biology. My minor was chemistry. Why did I, was I comfortable to do that? 
because my dad was a college professor. He had a laboratory. I feel very comfortable. And the most important thing is when I was told by someone in high school that I could not do that, I made it my, my duty. I lived in the library at the University of Miami to prove that guy wrong because that's the attitude we had in those days. So, so that was the environment. Again, I went to the University of Miami. I was, a, a, I was drafted to the Jets. <clears throat> when I got to the Jets, um, this, is, this is the way it was in those days. Uh, there was no black quarterbacks, centers, free safeties, or middle, middle linebackers. In those mm -hmm. days, the message of the Democratic Party was that black people couldn't think. We were not leaders. We could run, we could jump, we could play music, but thinking was not out of, it was out of our, our, our wheelhouse. <clears throat> By the way, to that point, when you go back and see Martin Luther King, you see the marching, I want you now to keep this in context when you see them. Notice he has white, white shirts, black ties, sometimes business caps and always business shoes, because they were going against the narrative of the leftists, of the, the, the racists, of, 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 of illiterate, uh, lazy, bumpkins, can't talk, uh, uh, all the negatives you can possibly think of. And they were showing in, in the way they marched and the discipline and nonviolent that they were totally off base. And they wanted to make sure our, their kids understood that not to take the narrative of these people, you know, not to be proud of who you are. So I, I just wanted to put that in there. So, so when I think back about when I came to the NFL. What year? What year now, was your rookie year? That was 19, 1973. <clears throat> 1973. I now look at an NFL now that's based on meritocracy. Color doesn't matter. That means no matter what color you are, how fat, how, how big you are, if you can bring merit to that team, you'll get yourself a good contract. That speaks volumes. If people understand how far we've come, then all of a sudden, saying we're a racist place doesn't work anymore. I mean, I know what racism looks like. I know what systemic racism looks like. We have an opportunity right now to do anything we want to. I, I can not only go into a theater, I can own a series of them if I wanted to. But it comes down to recognizing that the, the differential in every single race, every single person in terms of success is based on those four tenets. Very simple to understand. And I think it's time that we find a way to explain conservatism explained uh, the, the American way, the entree to the middle class, simply. We spend too much time trying to debate it. It comes into four tenets. Head, heart, hands, and home. Education, faith, industry, and family. It's that simple. <clears throat> if we educate ourselves, we no longer can be, be manipulated by the leftist who wants to keep us dumb and motivated by emotion. If we understand that faith is the answer to everything, this is the country that was built on Judeo-Christian values, period. And no matter how we worship him, the reason why we look at each other from inside out versus outside in better than any other country is we believe there's a God in heaven that makes us want to bless. We want the blessings by blessing others. Industry, we now understand as a country that we are not that country that wants a 10-month vacation. That's just not us. We want to work. We want to sweat. We want to, we want to man, fall flat and get back up because we feel good about the process. That's who we are, and that's why we've always led our, the entire world in terms of producing things, because we, that's, that's in the DNA of our American people. The last but not least is our family. The family unit detects how, where our country goes and how, 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 high we, how, how high we fly. And that's why, that's why the left has been after us for a long time, destroying the family unit. We should always think about, very simply, the way I was brought up, is the best thing I could do is, is I, wanna, I wanna make sure that my family's name is one that's respected. It's a legacy to my dad, my mom. If I do, if, if I do the, the kind of things where they're proud of that I, that I carry their name and I do the same thing to my kids, then we have, not, we have done a great deed for our country and for my, for my family and for my race and for my, as a citizen. That all works out. So the family is really the key point. 
And uh, it would just have to get back to understanding what that reads and what those what the roles might be and all that kind of stuff. That was a long answer to a short question, but I hope I got there, buddy. <laughs> I think you got there. I think you got there. So you, you mentioned the meritocracy of the NFL now, and I think that goes obviously for all professional sports at this point. Nobody cares what color you are. It's can you play? I mean, and for me, I, I'm a basketball guy, but when I, when I play ball my entire life, any court that I showed up to, nobody cared if you were white or black or Asian or anything else. What do you care about? Can, can the guy put the ball... In the hole. That's that's the only thing that you care about. Just, and, and just win, certain, baby. <laughs> yeah, ju just win, baby. That's it. There's yeah. a certain beauty and a simplicity to that. Uh, but when you see things, you know, how politicized sports has become. So you may remember about a year ago, there was a big thing in the NBA that they didn't want, the players didn't want the owners to call them owners because that somehow had some connotations to slavery or something. But the simple fact is they, they own the team. I mean, they own the team. That, that's how it works. That, uh, when you hear these things and, and you hear it from people that are multi-multi-millionaires that make money that you could never... Do you, do you remember how much you made your rookie year? Uh, oh, <laughs> I'm almost ashamed. Now, keep in mind, first round draft choice, get ready. First round draft choice, the third, 13th pick, the first defensive back. My bonus was 50000 a year. I'm 50,000, and I made 20, 23, 25, and 27 the first three years. And those last three, those, wow. those years were not guaranteed, by the way. <laughs> Had to go out and make that happen. But uh, no, right, it's, right. now, guys, now, guys, you crazy. get like an eight-year guaranteed hundred million. You're, but but really, when you, when you hear these guys say these sorts of things and, and fight about these sorts of things, um, and then suddenly they won't say anything uh, about China at the same exact time. We had a big problem with that in the NBA. Um, because they want lucrative deals over there and contracts and all that. W what do you make as far as what's happened in the sports world? There's, there's two things. There's two parts of it. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight the, the, um, the, the middle class ones, and then I'll get back to the culture piece. The first thing is this. This is the biggest problem with my community, my race, is that we went to this great middle class built on small business ownership to a great elitist class built on entertainment and, and government. When people do not, do not work their way through the middle class and understand what it takes to, to make it, to, to, to strive, to finally get to where you feel comfortable, you can reach back, then you become elitist. And what happens when you go from poor, dirt poor to super rich, you really do believe you're all that. I mean, it's very easy to get into that mindset that you truly are. You know the answers of all. Think about LeBron. LeBron knows he's a great basketball player, but he also knows the answers to everything else. The guy is so <laughs> smart, if you ask him, He's so bold, and he's never wrong. But that's what happens with elitists. There's no, there's no. He got pretty quiet because... on China, though. Don't forget, China. Oh, yeah. He suddenly <laughs> didn't. He didn't know much. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, so that's that's the one piece. Is unfortunately we have, we have we have too many elitists who don't get it, and they will never re understand what we're trying to go through. The other part of this is is very simply, uh, our culture has been under attack for a long time. When you take away the family, you take away God, uh, uh, faith of God. You take away things, very simple things like respect. One thing that, that we had in our, in our community a day, very simply, we respect the God, country, family, and most of all, women. Never, ever, don't even let the thought go through your mind, even start going through your ear of disrespecting disrespect mom, because dad would be there to, 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 to make it right, <laughs> big time. So, so when you don't understand those basic respects, you don't understand that when, you, when you're dealing with a coach, he's truly the coach. I mean, we came to an era where the coach was a... You know, he told you something. You didn't sit there and, and argue and fight with him. We have a thing where things have turned upside down, where literally the, the, the players are, are driving the team. 
the players are dictating to the 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 uh, the commissioner what they're going to do and what they're not going to do. And of course, we have cowards like the commissioner, who's and I, I'm going to we, we may talk about this, but uh, Godel is nothing but he's going to be known in, in in history as the the Bill uh, De Blasio of commissioners. This guy <laughs> is is hapless, uh, and I, I, half of the problem is that he's on purpose because he's truly a, a true leftist that wants to use the sport to, to push the agenda and make, and make it work out so at the end of the day, they get Democrats to, uh, uh, in, in place. It's all about power when you deal with these leftists. And de Blasio, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Godel is no different. <laughs> he, he's all about power. He wants to use these kids who have no clue, dive into the social justice with nothing but Marxism, so that we, we're creating all this anger and angst and riots within the community so they go out and vote in November. These people are truly heartless. They're, they're, uh, and they, and they, they don't think they'll ever be found out because they're always hiding behind the curtain. But we know, we begin to understand what this person is, this person is driving the, the, the NFL. And I'll tell you what, if they, if, they, if they go the route of what they did before, either kneeling, or the latest thing I've heard is going to put the Black, Matter, uh, Black Lives Matter flag beneath our, our flag. If you do, it does either one of those two, we're done with the NFL. And we won't be coming back. And that's going to be a good, good thing to see happen. You know, it's such a, it's such a crazy thing for, I mean, for a Super Bowl champion football player to say that that would be a good thing. It's, it's, it's crazy, but I, I understand where you're coming from. But are you ever shocked? I mean, I get what your feelings are about, about the Marxists and the idea of destruction and all that. But are you, are you ever shocked that a guy like Goodell, who I assume enjoys football, I assume he enjoys business, right? He may have the wrong ideas, but I think, you know, if we separate that for a second, but the lengths that they'll go to destroy their own enterprise. I mean, I think we see this, we see this across the, the, uh, the sports, but it does seem to be worse in the NFL. I think David Silver's done a much better job in the NBA of sort of keeping the wheels on the thing, although we talked about the China thing a moment ago. B uh, baseball, for some reason, they don't seem to have major issues with this. There's something going on in the NFL that does seem particularly different. I'm going to give you a little insight of what's happening. I think you'll get it. <clears throat> I think you'll understand that as we play check, checkers, they, these guys play chess. Uh, Godel is a globalist, globalist. And a globalist is someone who looks themselves as a, as a, a, a world citizen versus American citizen. And in their, in their game, as long as they can get as, many, as much money coming in from wherever they might get it, they're okay. <clears throat> and what's happened <clears throat> is over the last few years, the NFL has been looking at going to other, other, other parts of the country, China being one. They have, they have little China teams they're working on. They're now going to England to have, looking to have a Super Bowl there another couple of years. So they see a global, a, a global market that is going to be – right now they're capped out around $14 billion. He's projecting by 20, 2027 to be up to, to $25 billion. Now, where are they going to get that extra? It's not here in America because they're pretty much capped out. It's that, it's that TV. It's that the, 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 the global process. And here's the, the devious part about it because it's not just the global fa facet that, that is – you know, we can kind of understand as a business owner. For these guys, it's more than that. They have to, to devalue the NFL brand first before China will accept it. The NFL brand is all American. It's, it's, it's a flag. It's our country. I mean, that's why we stand together, because we understand this. This is, matter of fact, the, the, the founders of the NFL, were all most of them were um, uh, uh, World War II vets. So when they came out and they developed this, this concept, it was all about country. Well, if they're going to do this in, in China, they have to demean that brand a little bit. And so that's why right now, Nike, which is the marketing arm for NFL, guess what the, the face of, of, of the NFL is now in, around the world? 
is Kaepernick, the Marxist Carpenter. He was paid. That's a, his face is there. So, so when it comes down to branding now, they can now make the money they have to make outside of our country and, and of course, keep the American people moving on and keep a kind of a solid base here. Uh, and, and one of the things, uh, Dave, just so you know, the last contract he signed for $40 million per year, 90% of that is based on uh, growth incentives, 90%. Mm. So that says a lot about he feels very comfortable, he felt very confident that he could make enough money, some kind of way of growth, to bring that kind of income in. At the end of the day, what, what the, 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 the kind of the, the problem right now <laughs> is China did their deal. And all of a sudden, China's not too attractive anymore, and it's going to kind of upset our apple cart a little bit. I think he might have to re reconsider how he's going to get that done. But if, that's the, if you understand that process, that these people truly are not thinking the way we do as Americans that love our country, they think in a different way, then maybe you understand why, they're, why they don't mind uh, uh, turning off the American fan to, to make more income and, and look at the global market a little, bit, a little bit different way. It's so interesting because obviously, you know, I know, of, I know about globalists and the idea of one world and all that, but I've never heard the framing relative to the NFL that we've got to grow, we have these projections, we got to do it, we, we've maxed out America. So now we have to sort of crush our own brand in a weird way to export it over there. It's, it's, it's pretty fascinating. And then the 40 million, if it's, if it's mostly on incentives, you can you can sort of see how whacked out. So uh, all right, let's let's move a little bit here. Okay. To okay. Uh, let, let's talk about Utah because I've had a couple people from the great state of Utah on, and I've only been to Utah once actually when I was on tour with Jordan Peterson uh, a year or two ago, and we did a show there, and I did some stand up there, and I, I walked into the to the stand up club, and I was like, I don't know what I'm walking into exactly. It's gonna be five five hundred Mormons, you know? Are they gonna have a good sense of humor, you know? Really, and and truly, yeah. truly, truly, it was one of I write about it in my book. It was one of the best nights of my life. So many. It was in Salt Lake City but just so many absolutely wonderful people, fun, laughing, laughing at themselves. It was, it was just an absolute blast. Tell me a little bit about, people don't know much about Utah. If you, if you mention Utah to people, I think most people, they think of skiing, they think of Carl Malone, and, and they think of Mormons. Tell me a little yeah. bit more about, about well, Utah. Well, the most important thing, we, we talked earlier about the middle class and what drives it, that small business ownership. Uh, in, in Utah, um, uh, there's 277,000 businesses 99% of those are small business owners. So that says a lot about why the culture is the way it is. We are a culture, basically, I'd say three things. Uh, uh, solutions, service, and surplus. We are very entrepreneurial. We're also always thinking outside the box, trying to figure out how to make good things happen so we get some wealth for ourselves and give away. Uh, 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 service, we love to serve. We're, we're the community that literally gets excited about our kids going off to some crazy international place that nobody wants to visit. <laughs> to serve for two years, and, and we're excited about it. So, so we do that because we, we understand that one thing that brings us together, and that's why this country's gonna come together in a big way when we get through this, we fall in love with each other when we serve each other. That's the end, the end of the game, that's what it comes down to. So we're a very service uh, culture. And the last one is this, we love to give back. We love to take our extra time and money to give back. What I love about being here, to me, is home. I've, I've been talking about the community I grew up in in deep south Tallahassee, when all I knew were black entrepreneurs, black coaches, black professors, black business owners, and everybody's saying, you can do it, you can make it. Our goal is to become the best race ever and show those guys wrong. Well, growing up in that community, I'm now I have the same values, so I feel really at home. It's, it's, it's really about those things I talk about, God, country, family, respect, uh, thinking outside the box service. And, 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 and I'll just say this, this is why this, this district that I'm running in is so important 
for those who are watching, why is District 4 important to the rest of the country? Because it's between one and three of must-have by both, both parties. The Democrats must have this. Right now, they own it by uh, Ben McAdams. It's a plus 13 Republican Party uh, district. It never should go Dem uh, Dem uh, Democrat, but it did. So the Democrats must have it to keep their power. And you see what they do when they get power. We must have it to get our country back, to get back the, the, the culture we've been talking about. I feel very, very proud and blessed to, to, to represent a district that can truly be the linchpin of our country. You know, we talked, I talked about earlier about what can happen once we get the, the, the House back. This seat can get it done. And we get our SEAL team together because of this district that has the values we have. And I could be no more pleased to be in a position that we can actually help do that for, for our country to, to finally start winning again in a big way. What kind of traction are you getting? Because, you know, it's funny, the way Twitter operates, you know, I see certain personalities that are, will bubble up for a while, and then I'll click a profile. I'll go, oh, this guy's running for Congress in Utah. This girl's running for something in Florida, something else. And you're, you're kind of like, oh, well, they, they're sort of popular on Twitter, or they make sense here. But it's a little hard to tell from, as an outsider, well, is this gaining traction at home? How can you grade sort of where your campaign is at uh, are, are there weak spots that you want to shore up? You know, that kind of thing. Very good. I, I think the blessings that I've had is that I, I never thought about being a politician all these years. I mean, it literally did not happen until by this time last year. So up until this point, I came out of a book. Uh, uh, the first one was uh, Liberalism, How to Turn Good Men into Winers, Winnies, and Wimps. And that got me on just around the same time that, that Carpenter, yeah, it's a good title, it really is. But it's, it's just about the same time that Carpenter was doing his kneeling. So I had a chance to get on and share with America my thoughts, my pride in country, and that what I saw as really being detrimental. So I, I had a chance to develop some friendships throughout the time. And so now that, I, that I'm running, I really have an opportunity to have exposure that's been very advantageous for me. Uh, we have a community, again, because we're, we're very conservative, that looks at Fox. So many people knew me somewhat, even though I was in a very small niche. I was working with at-risk kids, so I wasn't out in the community a whole lot. But it's been an opportunity for me, first of all, to really know uh, uh, this, this, this district a lot more than I would have ever, to, to know our state a lot better because I'm now out talking with people. And what I'm finding <clears throat> is that my message resonates. We, we all just want to have somebody who willing to stand and not, not wilt and not, not feel ashamed and not apologize. And, and I tell you, to be at the end of the day, when God, country, family, and race is the most important thing before anything else, it's easy to stand. It really is. It's no big deal. Because if that's being attacked, then you want to run to make sure you protect all the above. And, and that's what I'm finding now across our country. We have conservatives that really get it. They don't mind taking a the hit. They don't mind being called names because it doesn't mean a thing. Matter of fact, I tell people call me names. Make sure you're using your time right because it doesn't impact me. You might be wasting a lot of time because it doesn't bother me at all. So, so together we get that group together and we give this message to those, again, who's been truly used over the last few months, abused over the last few months, I think we have a point now we can start to resonate and say, yes, you know, guys, let's work together to get our economy back to where it was a few months ago. And this time, know who the enemy is and never go back. And I think that's where we, we come out of this, uh, this process with. Yeah. So I, as I said, I was on your website this morning and I was looking at the issues that you knock out one, one at a time. Uh, let's just do two or three that you're, that you're particularly passionate about. Um, you, you, I'll, leave, I'll even toss them up to you. G give me two or, two or three that you really care about that you think are the core issues that, that can help you in. Very good. Very good, Dave. Uh, again, everything that I'm working with is based on those promises, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. That's the bottom line. 
for us to understand that, we have to be educated. Ignorant and free can never be, Thomas Jefferson. That is so powerful. And, and the left has understood that a long time. That's why they've worked very hard to make sure we stay ignorant. It's the left. You're talking about true evil. When you work diligently to keep people hopeless and uneducated, that's what I call evil. You go to the state of California, where 75% of black boys in the state of California, 2017, cannot pass standard reading and writing tests. When young people cannot read and write, we're not going to talk about Space Corps. We're not going to have conversations like this. They're going to turn on the networks and be driven by emotion because they have no hope, no way of thinking, no manner of reasoning. They'll never read the scriptures. So connection with a, a God in heaven will never, ever happen. And you go to every single threshold, every single city that's owned by the leftists, by the Democrats, you've seen the exact same thing. Hopelessness, anger, and literacy. So education is going to be a, is going to be a big piece. Now, the other part of education is that what they've done in higher education. See, it's not just the poor kids that are being attacked. It's, it's the rest of our kids. It's our middle class. We raise our kids in a great uh, environment. We send them off to get a degree. They come back as little Marxists, hating our country, and not being able to think at all about reasoning. <clears throat> They've been doing this for so long, and now you see it in the streets across the country, Antifa. They're not black kids. They're, they're, they're middle class, yuppie. My days, yuppies, what was cool. I don't know if they're still <laughs> cool anymore. <laughs> but but they're, 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 they're kids who have the wealth, but they hate our country. What I think we should do is very simply this. I told this earlier. Let's put together a program, an understanding of what is expected of our colleges. They want, they want, they want our money. They, first of all, we have to see transparency. How much is being, how much are they succeeding, and, and what areas we need as a country. If they don't hit those areas, those, 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 those matrix, we get our money. We take it back, and put it someplace else. So education is the first thing. One of the things that, that just warmed my heart, really warmed my heart, when I saw the, the riots in Minneapolis. They had this video. Of, of these black owners, black businesses just next oh, to each yeah. other. Yeah, and in the, in the window, black owned, big black, big black owned. And this was an, 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 an opportunity for all of us to see what a Passover looks like. Because the, the, the locusts and the, the, the pillage of looters passed over these businesses. Why? Because there was these AR-15 sitting there on these shoulders, these, these kids, knowing that if you show up here, you're, you're gonna have some, some issues. They passed by to go to those companies, those businesses, that still believe in the bureaucracy is going to, take, going to save them. So those, I think those are the two top things is education. Education will allow us to have that mindset to go out and build our own businesses, build our property, which is important. That's what the pursuit of happiness was in place for pursuit of property. Well, that property will be tangible property, intellectual property, spiritual property passed down to our kids, our name. Those things we work our lives to build. At the end of the day, on our last breath, we should be able to say, I'm so glad I live because this is my legacy. That's what a property truly means. And in order to protect that, we need to be educated to think about what it looks like and have the vision to get there. We also have to have the tools to protect every single step of the way so nobody can come in and steal it from us. And we now understand when we talk about needing to have that, that ability, go to these cities where they were just let loose. Evil was just let loose in these cities. We start to see what it really looks like and where we can never let that happen uh, in our lifetime. Do you think that that mindset of, of how to conquer all of this um, is really the same mindset, whether you're an entrepreneur or a professional athlete or a politician that really wants to change things properly, that it is purely a mindset of, I am going to dedicate myself to this relentlessly and, and see it fit. And maybe that's why you can see it as a, as a former NFL player, where some people can't quite see it because you know there's this idea that somehow victimhood 
gives you virtue these days or can't someone else do it or, or the, the rules are so against me that I can't do it. But it's like if we think of all of our heroes, our sports heroes or fictional heroes, they did it. They said, it doesn't matter how messed up the game is. I'm, I'm going to win. I'm going to fix it. And, you know, that's, that's what comes out of a healthy environment. Uh, that's what came out of my community growing up. Um, your parents, when, when we have the idea, first of all, life is not always, quote, fair. Life is difficult, and there are people who are going to try to slow you down. But if you have the tenacity, you can dream because you've educated yourself to know this possible. And you have the faith to know that, that you're just as special as anybody else. Then we can overcome those obstacles. The problem we're having in my community and we're now having across the country, and I say this as often as I can, what destroyed my community was turned it upside down. So we see kids now that are acting like victims and it's destroying their own properties. It was not white supremacists. It never has been white supremacists. We beat out white supremacists. It's been black elitists. It's been those with stealth, those who look like me, those who talk like me, those who put their arms around and say, you know, we're going to make things right and make things so it's all fair. And they sell out. They go and they go to Congress, the Black Caucus, the NAACP, uh, you name them, the elitists. Instead of giving us hope and telling us what we can do, they purposely put in place impediments. They put in laws that make sure the poor cannot become, become middle class, to, to make sure that the, our, our, our poor black kids could never be educated. Why? Because they're stuck because of, of this anti-choice that these black elitists will vote for and stand for and see their people uh, destroyed because they don't care. So it is truly elitism across the board that's our enemy. <clears throat> and I'll say this, if we uh, go ahead and educate ourselves, not to what we, the propaganda of the leftists, educate ourselves to our history, Educate ourselves to what we the people have done. I tell you, Dave, if we did that, let me just real quick story. I would never, ever, ever, I'm not a racist, I never will be, but my point is, but particularly for uh, uh, um, uh, German and Mexican-Americans, will ever look down or feel bad about that race, those people. Why? Because my, when my great-great-grandfather came here in the belt of the slave ship, they escaped uh, North uh, South Carolina uh, plantation, the Burgess Plantation, they went the southern and western route of the Underground Railroad. Guess who was, who was making that happen? Christian, German-Americans, and Mexican-Americans. that opened up their doors, opened up their fields, fed them, gave them hope along the way. And what happened on that, that trip out west, not only did my, my great-great-grandfather understand he could make great things happen, but he was able to forgive and went on to be a successful entrepreneur. Uh, owned, owned 102 acres of land that he bought in two, uh, two years, a, a, a pillar of his community. Because along the way, this travel, he realized that all white people aren't bad. There are good people out there. And he had to be a Christian. He started the first black uh, uh, elementary school and the first, first black church. My point is this. Once we learn the, the stories of what we've done together, we find that happening all over the place. It's not, it's not a special case. We have always done that, but we have to educate ourselves to that point. And once we do that, we can break loose of this, the racist uh, uh, process that's being put upon us by the Democratic Party. That, my friend, is what America is all about, I think. I think? Am I pretty close? <laughs> you got it. <clears throat> That's who we are. And, and the, the most powerful words in the history of mankind that we sometimes just throw out there and we don't quite get, it's never been done this way. It's three empowering words that has, 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 has spawned an experiment that is truly given freedom to the entire world. We the people. We the people. very simply says that we control our future. We can divide our our. our, our uh, everything about our family, our business, our jobs, how we deal with people. And we together collectively can elect a president in 2016 that nobody saw coming. 
we can figure out some things that we have no idea how we did it. I mean, how do we do that? Seriously, <laughs> with so many downs out there, how do we pull that one off? Because all right, and Burgess, I, well, <laughs> well, listen, I know anyway, you, I know you didn't want to be a, I know you didn't want to be a politician, but now I'm going to see if you're doing it properly because I'm going to give you the last word to pimp out your website and your, com okay. your campaign and the whole thing. Let's see it. Let's Thank see you. it. Thank you for this opportunity, Dave. Uh, Burgess for Utah, please uh, join us, please support us. Let's get our Congress back. Let's get this team, still team in place and let's win our country and just win, baby. We can do that again, for sure. I look forward to seeing you again, my friend. Uh, we'll, we'll do Gutfeld again, I'm sure. And you know, next time, I wear shorts sometimes when I'm on Gutfeld. Um, we, gotta get, <laughs> we gotta get you in some shorts or a bathing. I'll send you something. Oh my goodness, okay, Dave. I don't know if I'll do it, but I'm, I'm welcome to try it. Think about it for sure, okay? <laughs> All right. Good luck, Burgess. Thank you. Thank you, buddy.